What it do, what it do. It's the Wizards Junkies Podcast on the Sports Pulse Network. I am your host, Brooks. Once again, I have with me Jake Brown. Jake, say what's up, people. What's up? So, we're three games into the bubble. It's It's been wonderful to have basketball back, back to have meaningful games back. Let me ask you, man, what have been your thoughts so far? Um... Seeing a lot of we're, we're like seeing a lot of, of uh, I think development right now in the league. I think the league is really changing a lot right in front of us. Uh, feels like almost daily, you know. Um, but you know, it's been it's been good. I mean, I, it's been awesome to see some of these younger guys come out and emerge. Some of the ones we expected, obviously, uh, but then some of the ones that we didn't. Um, so it's been cool to see how some of these teams kind of came back, especially from being off. And then, you know, got back into the swing of things. It's been really nice. For sure, man. Definitely one guy that's been really impressive so far is TJ Warren, who had 53 against the uh, 76ers. Ended up giving him sole, sole possession of the fifth place seed. Um, he's been a great, great uh, addition for the Pacers and someone who's just been like, like I said, really phenomenal for the Pacers. Just like, you, you, you think of him as more like a – Jamar DeRozan type of guy before, you know, you can only hit the mid-range shots, but he's been able to add the three. He's gotten really efficient. It's, it's great to see. Yeah, I mean, he's one of the, he's for sure the first name that came to mind with the with the guys who we might not have expected. You know, I mean, it, it, the idea and also the I mean, if you're playing in the NBA, if you're a starter or even if you're getting heavy minutes, you know, you, you're a guy who can get buckets at any at will. You know, yep. against against 90% of the people out there already. But sometimes what happens is we see these guys and we, we kind of – we underestimate what they're really capable of. Yeah, that's true. And, you, know? you know, when he snuck up on people – I mean, look, that guy right now, put him in a game with any college team in a scrimmage and he's going to lead in scoring. You know what I mean? Right. Um, so it's just – it's interesting to see how these guys we kind of get reminded, like, hey, I'm, I'm here, I, I, I'm – nice i'm a lot nicer than you think i am you know yes it's always about first of all it's like where you where you end up going and then how you end up getting used and how your coach how much your coach trusts you because you could be the number one overall pick and go to a team that absolutely did not does not know how to use you for one and just and definitely does not know how to coach you well and then you end up becoming a bust and someone who People are saying, oh, man, he sucked. Why did he get picked number one? And it's only because, you know, you just didn't have the right guys around you. You know, you didn't have the right coaching, whatever it may be. We've seen it several, several times, you know? Yes. Basketball is an interesting sport that way, man. It really is. And I think the, the margin for um, talent is becoming so – there's a thin line, you know? And, and when you look at guys like uh, – I mean, you look at a guy like Kawhi, PG, LeBron, Kyrie, Kevin Durant, and you see how incredible they are. Just imagine how great they really, really have to be to be able to consistently score 30 points on the best players in the world. You know, and that's why at the end of the day, you know, as people who we critique the game or we we give our opinions on it, when someone says something like, oh, well, you know, uh, PG, man, he sucks, and they just throw it out there, you got to pump the brakes. You, you got to pump the brakes because right. there is absolutely he will dog you. I mean, he'll dog anybody that you put in front of him for the most part, you know. Yeah. And you mentioned so. PG and you mentioned Kawhi, and those are two guys that 
develops like mm-hmm. really well. You know, Kawhi he goes from being a defensive guy first to being a Finals MVP in what his third year in the league. PG goes from being behind Danny Granger to really just taking over that role. He go he, he gets famous from dunking on LeBron. Mm-hmm. Brings the Pacers to back to back Eastern Conference Finals. You know, it's it's all about like I like we both said, you know, opportunity meeting, uh, just the right time. Absolutely, and you've got guys right now that are currently in the in the in the height of that swing of their career where they're they're in that that gap between I'm a decent player and I have the potential to be a great player. You know, you look at Jalen Brown, you look at uh, Jason Tatum, you look at. Um, well, Devin Booker, he's kind of made that that jump, but he, I think, can still improve. I mean, there's plenty of players in the league who they're next up. You know what I mean? So it's it's definitely cool to see it see it happening. That's facts. So let's let's get off of this love fest right here, man. Let's mm-hmm. talk about just let's let's talk about the Lakers and the Raptors game the other day, and how okay. much people have been shocked by just how well the Raptors, you know, have been have been coming together and how well they've been playing. I mean, listen, I could be wrong, uh, but the last time I checked, these are the defending champs. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And so, and this is, and we talk about this all the time with, oh, well, you know, that was Kawhi's team, and that was uh, Dwayne Wade's team, and that was so, so on and so forth. But listen, man, it, make no mistake, it is it is from the front office all the way to their athletic training staff to their, their ball boys. There is such a unity and a group that is a championship team and yeah you lost you lost a guy but look, let's take a look at Kyle Lowry I mean for a long time he it's had another guy the guards. exactly he had another guy who was a guard who was I mean just a dog we know DeRozan was a dog but at the same time sometimes it just doesn't it doesn't hash out in a way because the ball can only get thrown around so many times in a game you know if you're holding the ball for x amount of minutes then that means other players aren't but we've got let me see Ockham the list goes on and on with these guys who are supporting now and they're getting heavy minutes and they're getting great opportunities to play their part play their role in these wins so I mean hey I'm not shocked at all you know I'm really not I mean I I expected this coming for sure I mean one of the main things is the fact that they still have Kyle Lowry like you said they still have Pascal Siakam they have someone, OG Ananubi, who no one ever mm-hmm. thinks of. And he's exactly. become like a rising star on that team. Like, And Nick Nurse is a superstar coach. This is someone yeah. who, he's he's like on that Brad Stevens type of level of just outsmarting people and knowing how to do like draw up defenses, draw up offenses, all that. He's, he's a really innovative coach. Absolutely. Man, I I can't wait to see what they do in the playoffs. I think... When you have a Kawhi Leonard type of guy around you, you learn how to actually close out games better. You know how to perform at a high level. Like people don't think about the fact that Kyle Lowry, he has such a great game six against the Warriors. It wasn't just Kawhi Leonard that helped them lead, helped them lead to that that finals win in game six. Like Kyle Lowry had what like twenty seven and six. I want to say something like that. Like he's a great contributor when it matters the most. You know, I think he's oh, yeah. one of the greatest elimination game players as well like you think about LeBron James in that fact but Kyle Lowry is one of those guys too and he's we know the fact that he's a great regular season player but don't sleep on him in the playoffs because you will you will get caught just sleeping on that guy 
Absolutely, and sometimes you, you, you kind of have to catch yourself too because, you know, you look at Kyle Lowry and there's been a lot of questions about uh, his, his, his level of preparedness coming into a couple of seasons. He, they, they you know, said he was a little bit overweight. He needed to do a little bit of cardio at one point. Um, and you look at him, he's, he's not the most physically imposing-looking player. And I think that sometimes that eye test, when you're watching a game, you're not really seeing what the, the little nuances that certain players can do. And a prime example of that is Chris Paul. Yep. You know, and if if you have a guy like Kyle Lowry who struggled and has had the same kind of kryptonite as a guy like John Wall, where for a while John Wall really could not shoot very well because of his hand placement on the ball. He was cusping the ball, and he had to have a lot of trainers come in and help with that. Lowry had the same issue with, with his ability to shoot for a while. And I think that because the NBA is shifting, it's forcing these players, okay, let me really put in this work. Let me really go in there, work on my form, tweak things. And I think he's only going to progress better. In the next few seasons, he's going to be a better shooter. I mean, that's the trajectory he's going at, you know? Mm -hmm. So you look at him, you can't just brush it off. I mean, like you said, he is, he's a closer. He's a guy that's like, he's a verified guy in the NBA now who, if you leave him open, you're going to have problems all game long. That's right. So I want to ask, what do you, what have been your thoughts about the Memphis Grizzlies so far? Because they drew one of the worst, one of the hardest schedules, I should say, in terms mm-hmm. of just playing against so many conference contenders, or, you know, of course, playoff contenders, but, you know, just teams that are superior to them. And they, you know, they lost to the, uh, the Pelicans last night. But, you know, this is a team that may have drawn the worst stick amongst all the uh, the playing teams and you know the thing is they're still standing you know the wind might have gotten strong it might have taken a a little bit out of their cells but hey they're not broken you know this is a team who moving forward there is a there's a very big future i think in memphis um if they get some pieces and they get they get a a good cohesive group together you can see that team do some damage and also don't forget they're in the west yeah they're playing against teams that are astronomically better in my opinion, at this point. Once you get to that sixth seed and down, the East, the Eastern Conference falls off like a cliff. I mean, they just disappear. <laughs> but even teams even teams like the Suns will give you problems today, you know? And so for, for Memphis, you know, with John Morant, with Jaron Jackson, these guys are young. They have their health. You know, neither one of them has really battled crazy injuries that have put them out for season long you know time time spans yeah that's facts i mean i think one of the things you mentioned um you know just missing a couple pieces here and there i think you one say of the watch th- out and that's the that's the rookie of the year right there too facts. just throwing that out there i don't care what anyone says yeah i, I agree and if job if uh zion williamson ends up getting the rookie of the year I'm I'm riding. I'm going to Orlando somehow and, and riding. He could have two fifty point games and I'm not going bat an eye. If the John Morant is the rookie of the year, he's he's put in the work, he has led a team like you just said, and this is a team that, that you know, they lost some games. They they've not had the best record that we've ever seen, but this is a team that every single night, no matter who they were playing, they were going to go for the win. And they had a chance every night, you know, and that's that's something really incredible to say about a team like for sure, yeah. I mean, and, and you you mentioned just earlier how about how uh, you know they're missing a couple pieces, and the main piece is someone who can go out go out and be that go to score that at least score for you. John Morant, 
you know, he's scored, he's a leading rookie in, in scoring, you know, he's got a thousand points or whatever it may be, but he's not that go-to guy for you. Jaron Jackson yeah. is still learning. You don't want Dylan Brooks to be the leading scorer for you on a playoff team. Like, at best, he should be a fourth or fifth best option for oh, you yeah. on yeah. any championship contending team. So they need to find somebody that can, you know, be that main factor for them. I think right now, as, a, as it stands, I think the Grizzlies are in for the fight of their life. If, if they get into that playing game, they're really going to have to step up. Everybody's got to step up. I think what really hurt the fa- what really hurt the Grizzlies was, was the suspension because they were a team that was able to compete with everybody. Like you mentioned, you know, they didn't have any fear in their hearts. They played up to their competition. And then when you have four months and three weeks off, all that momentum gets lost. So we're kind of I, – I think we're seeing the result of that because everybody else is just – you know they're they're really playing well, and then the Grizzlies were just halted at their best moment. Yeah, it did. It was they put the they put the brakes on them big time, and then you end up also having guys that you don't want rest. You definitely do not want to be coming in fresh at this point that are now rested and fresh. And the Lakers have all had an opportunity to converge, to be with their families, to get some rest, some sleep, work out, get into a routine and nutrition take care of their bodies now we're going into yeah now we're ready now let's just get unleashed and now we're pissed off you know because we want to play so that really just worked against them like 200 percent. you know what i mean so it's it's unfortunate but you know that team can definitely at the end of the season hold their heads high you know they've, they've really had an impressive season now i want to talk about the lakers man the lakers they had a really good first game against the Clippers, and then they fell off a bridge, like we mentioned, against the Raptors. But then Anthony Davis comes back, and he's shooting everything that he possibly can. And, you know, they're getting a complete victory. Uh, who did they play? Who did they play? Thunder? I can't believe I'm forgetting right now. Um, played was against it the Dallas? Jazz. It, was, it, was against, it was against Jazz yesterday. Oh, Jazz, yeah. Yeah, they won 116-108. to Anthony Davis, once again, like I said, shooting LeBron the ball. LeBron hit a big ball. shot down the down the stretch as well. You know, is this what you expect to see from the Lakers right now, or do you expect them to just be all road like they were prior? Um, you know, I, coming in, I, I think it was the first podcast we did. I was, I asked you if you thought Anthony Davis was ready. Yeah, that's a Anthony huge Davis caveat. Forty-two points and twelve rebounds. Yeah, four and, threes. Um, I think that that's that's been the thing. You you need LeBron needs he, Batman needs the Robin every now and then. Yep. You've got to have you got to have that ability to deter you away from who the guy is on this on the team. And um, Anthony's he's more than done that. So I think. Uh, but it, with that also being said, I think this turns up the heat for the Lakers um, because with them securing this number one seed that puts pressure on them you know now you've got the number one seed uh i believe it was the first team since 2005 that didn't make the playoffs was it the, the last Something five like seasons that. yeah the last five seasons was one of their worst was stretches. It last five yeah last five seasons was their worst stretch of of time in a while yeah and so i mean you look at that and you're that, that puts a lot of pressure on you so hopefully these guys are ready because now the training wheels are off 
you know. So now from this point on, you, you're looking at a whole different monster ahead of you, and it's definitely doable, you know. But once you get down to your Clippers and your Rockets, if you see any of those teams in the playoffs, you have to be ready to go. So we'll see. We'll see how that that works out, you know. Yeah, that's very true, man. I think, and one of the, one of the my favorite games that we got to watch so far was the big beef between James Harden and Giannis Antetokounmpo. Giannis Antetokounmpo is a guy that everybody claims he can just, he can, all he has to do is just go to the rim and score, and that's the easiest part. But then you go to James Harden, and you can say the same thing. All he does is, you know, do the 10 dribbles behind, between the legs, and then step back. Yeah. And then he tries to draw, draw the foul. You know, yeah. what does that game tell you, man? I think it really solidified um, to me that those are the two most unguardable players in the NBA, period. Absolutely, period. Um, I, I The only way that you really ever see them miss a lot of shots or, or make mistakes is when they're done, when it's done to themselves. Um, those guys both. I mean, James Harden is one of the best guys I've ever seen at drawing fouls, ever. Yeah. Ever. He, he can get to the line at any point. He knows exactly what you're gonna do, when you're gonna do it. He's very—he's a very intelligent guy. Um, yeah, and that's and, a skill too honest, that no one thinks about. Like mm-hmm. to know how to manipulate the referees and the game—you know, the game plan or the game book, I should say. Like, who thinks of of trying to trap somebody's arms underneath them while they're shooting? You know, to draw a foul or to just jackknife like like James Harden does and try to get a shooting foul. You know, that's like you said, that's really intelligent. One of my favorite things to watch him do is try when he get when he goes into the lane. A lot of times you really see him. He'll have his man beat, and he's got a good step and a half where he can really kind of just go up and get like a contested layup against whoever the guy is under the basket. But instead, what he'll do is he doesn't want to he doesn't want to go there. He doesn't want to end up in the tree. So he'll slow his body down. He'll slow his game speed, and he'll let the guy from behind him foul him, yep. not in front of him. So he's, he knows that, really, you're not, not going to block my shot. I'm going to have my arms out in front of me to keep the ball protected and, and get a shot off. But at the same time, you're still going to foul me, but you're going to help my shot. You're not going to hurt it. And some of the little nuances that he does is just it, – it, it, it blows my mind. You know, it's it's incredible to watch. Um, sometimes it can get boring yeah. because, <laughs> you know, he's trying – he knows, hey, they're, they're closed in on my step back. I'm not getting threes tonight, so i got to go to the rack, you know. Um, but yeah, so that, and, and Giannis is just, this guy, being that size, being that athletic and that strong, you normally have to give up one of those three traits. You normally, if you're big, you're not going to be as athletic or you're not going to be as strong. You're going to be lanky. You're going to, but this guy has a incredible repertoire of all three traits that he can pull from at any moment. I mean, he's going to, he's going to throw it down on you. He can pop out. He can be a screener and a big ass screener at that. I mean, a yeah. really big target for those guys. Six eleven. He, he may be a footer, legitimately. You know, he can ca- he can catch a, a little lob off that low screen and roll. I mean, he can do whatever needs to be done. So it's impressive. I mean, he's he's an all around scorer. Uh, probably the best we have at that in the league. And not to mention the fact that he's become more aggressive with this with his three pointer, like. This yeah. is someone who was, he wasn't allergic to, you know, shooting from the distance, but, you know, he's more willing to do it, you know, and this is a part of his game that's really improved, and he's 
you know, this is something that can be really scary for him, especially when you when you having like an most improved player, MVP caliber type of season where people are just even more wild by what you do, and then you have someone that's even hating on you for doing like the most simple things and actually knowing how to play the game because going to the rack is easy, but being able to differentiate differentiate between um, you know actually shooting it and then dishing it off to someone like Brooke Lopez for three or Weston Matthews or Chris Middleton, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, there's some guys in the league that are very small versions, and if they work hard, they can get to that level or maybe just below that level, but they can do similar things. You know, I think of Clint Capella, he stands out. You know, that's a guy who if he's able to put in the work that is necessary and get back 100%, that is a guy who I, I can see being that way. Well, Clint Capella being like someone who can be a go-to scorer, or what do you see in him? I think he's just got multiple levels to his game. You know, I think he, he can he can shoot, he can pick and pop, he can pick and roll, he can you know drive in off uh, off the first dribble and get you, put you on a poster. He's just I think that like a lot of other guys, he's he's really got to put in a lot of work to get to that point. But th- there's no reason why a guy like Anthony Davis can go from being a point guard in high school and coming in and being this dominant big that we see today. It's all about the level of work that you put in and the skill, you know, because that's training your body to play a whole other way, you know what I mean? So it can be done. It really can. For sure, man. So once again, man, this is the Wizards Junkies podcast brought to you by the Sports Pulse Network. I am your host, Brooks. This is Jake. Let's get into the real nitty-gritty. Let's get to the subject matter of this podcast the Wizards three games in like we already mentioned two games really competitive against the Nets and against the Suns let's break it down Woo. that's tough that's really tough I if you're listening to this podcast right now <laughs> and you're a Wizards fan I would say stop what you're doing and listen very closely what I'm going to say, but what I what I have to say about this is, as a Wizards organization, we, meaning the organization, cannot get hung up on these teams every time we play them, because I'm seeing this reoccurring theme with us, where there are a lot of teams, and I know that the talent level in the NBA is changing. But there are a lot of teams who, there are a few nights, let's be honest, in their schedule when we know who's going to win those games. The Washington Wizards has not proven that we have a single game on our schedule that we are 100% going to win at this point. Mm-hmm. And I understand, and I understand, you know, we're playing with a, a deck of cards that we did, we definitely would never have picked ourselves. You know, we, these have been dealt to us. We're in weird positions. We've got a lot of things going on. But at the same time, moving forward, that has to change. You know, we're seeing uh, – I saw the, the Wizards put up a video of uh, Troy Brown's 21st birthday. Yeah. And uh, the, the behind-the-scenes of it. And I, I thought to myself, I was like, hey, this team is really getting they're, – they're really coming together. Like, they're, they seem like they enjoy each other. They're getting along. They seem like they're close. And then the next thought that came into my head was, dang, I guess it's about time for the trades to happen then because that's what we are 
that's what we're accustomed to at this point. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, with that being said, we've had a couple games that did stand out. That Brooklyn game to me was the one that I was, um, I think, a little bit I was a little bit bummed out about. I thought that we had the tools to beat Brooklyn. Yeah, um, I agree. I really did. Uh, now, the Suns is a whole other thing. Um, the Suns, and we talked about it, I think, briefly, but that, that team is just, there's a lot of talent. There's a lot of things that can, can work against you when you're playing the Phoenix Suns when, when you don't have a lot of defined roles, you know. So I understood that. But Brooklyn, man, I mean, we and we hung in there. We really did. We had several players. I think it was five players score over what eleven points, something like that. I yeah, mean, we yeah, had five, we spread. Yeah, we spread. We spread our 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 scoring out. But what is going on? And I think I guess it comes down to like time management and rebounding. That's the only thing that I can really pinpoint it to. So I agree. You know, we have to find a way. I mean, not having Bradley Bill and Davis Bertans there hurts a whole lot because you don't have your top two scorers but even with that even with that fact you know against the Suns the Suns basically just set the tone from early on they basically they punched us first and we didn't punch back until the second half you know we were this is a team that's gonna show off how really resilient they are but also how much more they're developing you know that Suns game you had Troy Brown and you had Troy yeah Troy Brown scoring a whole lot. You had Ish Smith getting in and out of the getting in and out the lane, you know, getting whatever he wants to because he you know he's a small, really speedy guard. But when you're six foot, just sub six foot, you're not going to be the go to guy for any team. You know, you have to have people yeah. around you that can really score. You know, and then the next game against the Suns. No, I'm sorry, not the, not against the Suns against the Nets. You know, we, we meet this team out there on the court. We set the tone ourselves. We really want to, you know, make sure that we're not just beating ourselves. Thomas Bryant has 30 points. Hits four threes. You know, and he, he ends up getting a charge on Karis LeVert right before the halftime buzzer. We go into that, we go into second half tied, and then Karis LeVert is able to just screw us over and be able to just take over the game, you know, Something that you that you would normally have with the Bradley Bill, but you don't have that against the Nets. So I think it's just it's, it's a number of factors there, man. You need to have someone who can carry your team. You need to be able to sustain an intense level of play. But when you're lack so much talent, it makes it ten times more difficult. Yeah, and I think I think the thing is, especially with that Brooklyn game, I feel like the part of the organization that really needs the most revamping or rejuvenation at this point is whoever is is drawing up the game plans with these teams in mind not necessarily the head coach because that's not always the head coach's job but coming into this game and this is what i mean here we were talking earlier about you know you've got these these guys who don't don't get it twisted they will give you buckets you i mean you could put it on a billboard the whole world needs to know these guys are not to be messed around with. This is the this is the biggest league in which the most talent pool is drawn to. Mm-hmm. So when you're looking at the the Nets, man, I don't know. Do, do I need to remind people what Chris Levert was doing at Michigan? Yeah, this is he something- was, Listen, this guy is a dog. 
he's a dog. So whoever comes into that game and says, "Hey, uh, Troy Brown," because these guys are young, you know, they're not they're not the guys who they're not responsible for coming up with their their game plan and to play their their your audio their just own, went out. Know? Say it again. They're not the ones that's drawn up these these game plans. You know what I mean? Yeah. Their job is to come in and and to. Execute. be coachable and to and to execute you know yep. and so whoever the guy is that says hey let's not let's not address Chris LeVert let's not really spend a lot of time on the fact that this guy can easily give us a night you know what I mean because he will do it and it looks like a lot of times we get caught in these positions where we're looking at a team as a as a grand scheme of things but we're not really honing in on some of these guys I mean some of these guys slip through the cracks and give us a 30-point height, and I'm scratching my head like, do they need to go back and watch some more film? What's going on here, you know? Yeah. It's I, strange. Two things with that. You know, you think about Karis LeVert, what was it, the 2017-2018 season. That guy was on track to be an all-star until he hurt his leg, and then D'Angelo Russell yep. took over, really became the man of that team. You know, this, like you said, this is someone who's from Michigan, really stood out. The only thing that really hurt him was the fact he had a foot injury. And then again, he had another injury. So now you have someone who, because of this pandemic and not having all the pieces around him that he normally would, now he's a chance to really show off who he is and what he can do. You know, and the second thing is, who would have thought that you wouldn't have to game plan against a Karis LeVert and say, make everybody but Karis LeVert beat you. You know what I mean? This isn't a guy who's, this isn't the guy who's a all NBA, all star. You know, he's. I'm not gonna say he's an average player or anything like that, but he's someone who's gonna be really dangerous. But you're not gonna worry about him as much as you would a Spencer Dinwiddie or a KD or a Kyrie. You know. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and it's and it's only only so many players can be on the court at a time. You know what I mean? So you got it. That that you have to keep your your blinders off and really focus in on what what's right in front of you. And it just seems like sometimes these guys just sneak up on us big time. Yeah, I, I agree. And I just don't understand it. But, you know, I'm not Scott Brooks. I'm not the coaching staff. I can't make these guys understand where I'm coming from. But, you know, I'm only a, I'm only a writer. I'm only a journalist. I, I only do podcasts. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm going to definitely let the guys that get paid handle all that stuff. But talk about frustrating. Very, very frustrating, man. And then on top of all that, you end up losing the Pacers, too. I mean, we, we went into this bubble not knowing that far and, it was going to be far and few between that we would actually make the playoffs. But you don't expect to go 0-3, you know, end up going down 20 points. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you, you get beat up by Miles Turner and TJ Warren. You know, it's, yeah. it's very frustrating, like you said. It's, you know, and, um, you know, Miles Turner is a guy that we, since Texas, people have known that Miles Turner was, was, was that guy, you know, he, he can, he can get buckets on a lot of guys and it's very underrated, but, and, and I'm not, no disrespect to TJ Warren or anything like that because he just came off a night that was what, 53. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, let's also understand it is a guy who, what you're gonna play one on five? You know what I mean. Or if 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 Troy Brown's not working out, 
how about we try this? How about we try that? You know, and it's it's just another one of those examples of um, just sneaking up, just really sneaking in and, and just hitting us with something we did not see coming. Yeah, I mean, and there were certainly some places where we had defensive lapses. You know, you had Miles Turner being able to beat three guys, three three guys down the court for a dunk, and he just we just got within two points. You have someone like that be able to cut through the lane, get a dunk, make it a four-point game. You you get a turnover from Ish Smith, and then you you get down and uh, you get down again by like another twenty points. You know, from a, just a ten-zero run, just um, it's just small mistakes. We keep on making small mistakes and just mental mental lapses. And when you're trying to develop, these things happen, but you can't have them happen consistently. You know, and it's I'm gonna throw a name out here, but uh. It's it's little frustrating games like this, in which I really do miss uh, Chioza. You know when they, you know, and I and I get it. You can only fit so many players on a team, and there, you you got to clear up some space. But I, I'm not completely sold that Chioza isn't the answer over a guy like Napier. I'm just not. Um, he he's a young guy. He is as much of a bulldog as you can ask for on the court. And he played when he played at Florida. And he has a track record of doing this. He was the general on the floor. Yep. For four, four, uh, excuse me, for four years. Same case as as it is at the, with the Nets. You know, he's someone who can be a real a real pillar. Exactly. And then look at what happens. You give him to the to the opposition. At least get him to the Western Conference. At <laughs> least bring somebody over here. You yeah. know that we can kind of. And I and like I said, I totally understand where they're coming from with it. But dang. I mean, he, he is a guy who could have really elevated, and that seems like that's what we need anyway. So it's just it's frustrating, you know. So hopefully, and, and that's no knock on, on any of the guards that we have. You know, if Smith is a guy who's proven he's, he's, he can play in, in the league, you know. Yeah, 10, um, 10 years, 10 teams, whatever it may be. Yeah, um, and so he can contribute. Um, Napier, I mean, we've seen what he can do too, but I just don't know. It's, it's, sometimes it's not just about talent. It's, it can also be about personality and fit, you know. So we'll see. So I don't want to keep it all negative. I want to be positive about this. Sometimes we already mm-hmm. mentioned Thomas Thomas Bryant scoring thirty. He had twenty two and twenty and ten or twenty two and ten yesterday. Um, yep. But then you have someone like Jerome Jerome Robinson. That's someone who's really been able to thrive off the bench. You know, he's playing really confidently. He's getting whatever he wants. You know, he's shooting the, the hell out the rock. You know, what yep. are your takeaways from that guy? It, it's it's always it's always fun when teams don't really have a lot of pressure on them because I don't I don't think that the Wizards necessarily would be a team that I would say have a lot of pressure coming from upwards. Yeah. Um, it's always fun to see when guys are relaxed who can really who can come out and let it let let it go. And just and just hoop, you know, because at the end of the day, that's what we're doing, right? So, um, in that scenario, Jerome has—he just seems like a guy who's, hey, I know that I'm in. This is my position. This is my circumstance. Let me see if I can make the best. And like you said, his shooting percentage and his shooting ability, and off the dribble, you know, like to create those shots, uh, has been nice. It's been it's been really refreshing, and you don't see that from a guy with 
you know, a lot of times in his circumstance where he's kind of really having to vie for any playing time and position he gets, you know. So I'm super happy for the guy. Hopefully he can keep that up. And if, if, if it's a fit and if it works out, it would be nice to see him be a sixth man or a seventh man off the bench for sure for this team. Yeah, long term, I can see Troy Brown and, and Jerome Robinson, Jerome Robinson be able to just drop off the bench, be guys that can come in and fill, fill in the gaps for, uh, for Bradley Bill or for John Wall. Um, it's just a matter of, like we've been talking about, development and buy-in and letting go of those mental lapses. Of course, they're young players, but, you know, when you get to that second and third year, you know, fourth year, that's when you really want to bring it together and mm-hmm. make sure that your identity is sold as a player. You know, you don't want you want to be the guy that is going to be that plus player on offense and defense. Yeah, and I think that he definitely knows his uh, he knows his game and he knows his skill set very well. But he seems very comfortable um, in 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 a position that I think a lot of players would be very uncomfortable in. So um, that's really nice to see that he's confident and comfortable with his skill set. And he's clearly a scorer, for him. so it's nice to see that he's able to just relax and, and do his thing, get a, get a couple of key buckets, um, you know, grab a couple assists, do something that can help out the team. That's for sure, man. So we're all out of time here. Jake, thank you for coming on once again. This is the Wizards Junkies podcast from the Sports Pulse Network. Check us out on the sportspulse.com. We got more Wizards content on there, written, that is. So, once again, thank you for joining us. Jake, do you have anything else that you want to give to the crowd? No, just appreciate y'all. Tune in. Let's see what happens. And, you know, go Wizards. Let's support the home team, even in, even in the rockiest times. This is why we're not bandwagon fans. <laughs> we are not bandwagon fans. Exactly, my man. All right. We are out. All right. Bang.